Welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people way older than the intended target audience, but still captivated by those glorified toy adverts we love so much. I'm Zoe Baker. I'm Stephen Alexander. And I am Jason Thompson. Zoe, since you're back, what are we looking at today? Today we are looking at the feature-length Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. Yeah, some cartoon franchises had to wait several years and dozens of episodes to get a movie. Rainbow Bright has done five episodes and someone's decided they need a feature movie. I'd see no problem with this. So, did you see Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer in the cinema? Did anyone see it? Has anyone seen it before? I did not. What what year did it come out? 1985. Ah, See, I would have been three. Um, My first memory of the cinema was seeing My Little Pony and the Smooths. That may not have been the title, but that was the feature-length My Little Pony movie. I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Really? Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I think I did, yeah. yeah. I rewatched it in my 20s and did not enjoy it as much. Um, no, so I didn't see it. In fact, I don't think I actually saw Rainbow Bright and Star Stealer until adulthood. I don't think I was even aware of it until then. I only remember the TV show. Hmm. Yes, I've not seen it before, uh, but I do remember My Little Pony and the Smooths, the purple ooze that ate uh-huh. everything. That. Uh, was something that certainly I watched because my sister was into that. My sister, I think my sister also a big fan of Rainbow Bright. Uh, I've interrogated her on that. If she ever listens to this, I'm going to be in trouble, whatever I say. <laughs> so just say whatever, it doesn't matter. And yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it, I, I wasn't hugely aware of the Rainbow Bright cartoon as a kid at all, although I was aware of the toys and the adverts and that, that was about it really. Yeah, I didn't see this at the cinema either. I didn't even know there was a feature film until uh, until adulthood. Um, but I do remember watching Rainbow Bright on television. Um, and I think I said in when we did the Mighty Monster Merc Menace, I have very vivid recollections of that image of Rainbow Bright in a bottle. Uh, but no, I watched this and uh, none of it sparked any memory whatsoever. So I mm-hmm. can assume, I think, that I did not see this. It's funny what sticks with you and what doesn't. It, it certainly is. As, as I said, the, the only thing I remember from that Monster Merc Menace episode is Rainbow Bright in a Bottle. Why that and not anything else? Yeah, I I actually have vague memories of the Monster Merc being wrapped up in the rainbow. So I have a similar thing there, but a different image. But that doesn't happen in this episode. Uh, well, it's an episode film. It, film it's, it, indeed. And that's the thing. This story, it didn't strike me as an extended episode. It was very much a feature. Sometimes I think when they make films of cartoons, you look at it and you think, this could have been an episode. This did not. No, this this felt like uh, a movie. The stakes were bigger mm-hmm. um, because, uh, as we will come on to, um, we find that the whole the light of the entire universe is under threat in this thing. The stakes are also raised uh, by, unusually for any cartoon series, them explicitly referring to people and planets and things dying. Mm. normally they'll use euphemistic phrases like you know it will get dark or it will fade or will be destroyed or something but to actually use the word die Mm. in a kid's cartoon is 
quite unusual, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll tell you who doesn't use euphemistic phrases, though, and that is the reviewers of Rainbow Bright yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, oh, no. who certainly hold no punches. It has a 0% critics score, though a 79% human beings score. So it's probably got something going for it. And we've got, oh, let's see, Tim Brayton says it's an exemplar of the state of children animation from that era if I ever saw one. Not a compliment, that. And the worst one, I think, is Michael Blowen from the Boston Globe. Hmm, Boston accent. No, no chance. (laughs) So incompetently crafted that it makes the Saturday morning cartoons seem like Disney classics. Can I just suggest, though, that maybe a middle-aged guy is not the target audience for this movie necessarily i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) maybe someone who writes for the boston globe needs to get himself in the mindset of the target audience you know they're not trying to make citizen kane here you know i think my favorite one is uh when it was originally released janet maslin of the new york times said in her review that this isn't a movie it's a marketing tool Yes, that is kind of the point of all these cartoon series in the 1980s. They're all there to promote toy lines or, you know, that kind of thing. As we said before, this one actually spun off from a greetings card um, line, but, you know, did become toys. uh, One of the biggest selling toys of 1985, only just being outstripped by Transformers that year, I think. So Mm. come on, Transformers. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Janet Maslin on the ball with that one, uh, a well-observed comment. Yes. <laughs> so, what happens with Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer? Well, we, we open on uh, a mysterious, dark place with some uh, some wonderfully weird and hideously impractical architecture, a huge tower, stroke castle-type thing, and there is a young princess complaining that she wants a diamond and an elderly sprite is telling her she can't have it. Yeah. How old do we think the princess is? Because she's got a kind of indeterminate age and certainly her behaviour is very much a seven-year-old saying, I want this, this should be mine, this is all belongs to me, I want everything. Yeah. So any ideas? Well, age in this, as we've discussed before, is rather indeterminate anyway, because we know from a previous episode that Rainbow Bright and the Colour Kids and the Sprites seem to be over 700 years old because they refer to something that happened 700 years ago as if they were there. But they also look about eight. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think she's a little older. I think she might be maybe even middle aged. I, She's... She's got a great look. She's very 80s in her look. She reminds me a lot of Jem. Do you remember that cartoon from the 80s? That kind of look. But she also reminds me quite strongly of a couple of villains we've seen in uh, Disney films. Mm. Are we allowed to mention the mouse? I've mentioned the mouse. Um, (laughs) uh, For instance, in some ways, she's a bit like Cruella de Vil in the um, animated 101 Dalmatians, 1961. She also reminds me a bit of Madame Medusa from The Rescuers, 1977. She's got that kind of look. And, of course, both those characters are older. They're not young women. Mm. But it seems like spoiled, brightly coloured, very outgoing power women were the villain of choice at this point. <laughs> yeah. What does that say about the uh, the social situation in the mid-1980s? But yeah, in common it... with Medusa in... In The Rescuers, she has red hair and she has a thing for diamonds. 
Mm. It was the era of the power suit. Yeah. yeah. So she's got red hair. She likes skin tight black clothes, and she likes high heels, and she also likes about three inches thick eyeshadow well, and doesn't? eye makeup. Yeah, <laughs> looks good on anyone. Well, exactly. It's a look. She carries it off, but yeah, this very young kind of I want, I want, spoilt. Yeah. But that's our introduction to the villain. And then we go to Rainbow Land for the opening credits, uh, which begins with bright light, flowers opening up, and a bee stinging a horse. For no reason. For absolutely no reason. Welcome There's to a... Rainbow Land, a land of fun and joy and where you'll get stung for doing nothing. Yeah. And this horse is, of course, Starlight, the, the most, most magnificent horse, horse, horse in the universe. In the universe. <laughs> Who's snoring quite happily until a bee stings him on the backside, apparently. Um, and then he's all very, very happy because it's the first day of spring, which makes me wonder how long he's been asleep for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how does he express his happiness, Jason? What does he do? What does anyone do in a cartoon when they want to express it? He bursts into song. <laughs> I'm, I'm already composing mine for the 1st of March. I am really. <laughs> I'm not sure that Starlight was the best person to take the lead on this song. There's a lot of voices in this cartoon, and I'm not convinced that the person playing Starlight was the best singer of the bunch. <laughs> no, it's odd as well in some respects, because it's when you open up with a big song and you think, oh, it's going to be a musical movie. Nope, that's it. Just this one song. There isn't another one anywhere else in the movie at all. Um, also, it starts with a blatant untruth. OK. Because one of his first lines is, I've been up for hours. When you haven't, you just woke up because a bee stung your bum. I think we've all met people like that, though, <laughs> that, you know, stagger in and they're like, no, 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 I've been up for hours. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've been up for hours. I haven't been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we did notice one thing about Starlight, though, in the movie compared to the television series. Mm. And you've mentioned this before. Yes, I think we mentioned in a previous episode that in the actual cartoon series, his rainbow mane is red at the front and blue at the back, but in all the publicity materials, it was blue at the front. In the movie, his mane is blue at the front. Yeah, and this, I think, is because the original character in the cards and the original Hallmark character, as designed, had his mane that way round. So all the original pictures of Starlight had the blue at the front. Uh, okay. The animation starts, um, studio that did this series decided they didn't like that and switched it round, and personally, I prefer it the other way as well. The animation guys who did the movie just took the original character design and went with it. And so it's blue, but it does look quite surprising. But maybe he just changes his hair every often. I suppose the question is, you know, can Rainbow Bright change his hair around using star sprinkles? If she can bring colour to various things, why does she not, you know, why would she not colour her horse? Maybe that's what she's been doing while, uh, okay. while winter's been happening. But not only is uh, Starlight trotting through the forest and singing, he comes across the colour castle where the colour kids are waking up and also singing in that wonderful way that all musical things happen. People from very disparate places are all singing the same song somehow. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that in musicals. I lo I'd love to just like walk along a street one day, be humming a tune to myself and then random people come in from different directions and join in. That would be so amazing. But I, I think in this in this opening scene, we see a clear hierarchy of people who wake up in the morning and the order they wake up in. Mm. So at the bottom of the hierarchy, you've got the colourful twinks 
They are the sprites. sprites. Yeah, I, I get confused. Sorry. So you get the colourful sprites who are going down the mine before anyone else has got up. And then you see the colour kids waking up and they're doing like, uh, who's the one doing the exercises? Buddy, Buddy Blue. Blue. Buddy Blue. So he's doing like pull-ups and gym stuff and, and the other ones are doing other things and cleaning and all sorts. And then the white sprite, Twink, wakes up because his alarm goes. Did you like Did you like his alarm clock? Oh, it was uh, probably most, it was flower o'clock, apparently. <laughs> I'm looking at it, I think they were meant, meant to be the four seasons because um, the one immediately before was a snowflake. So, But there are no numbers on it. It's just apparently been set to wake him up in spring, which clearly starts at a very specific time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, the other way you can tell that this is a, an entirely fantasy universe is that you have a bunch of kids waking up because there's work to do and they all want to get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of adults who don't wake up with the attitude of there's work to do and I want to get on with it. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. But at the top of the hierarchy, there is Rainbow Bright, who has had a much... She's had a lie-in while all this has been going on. She's been napping away. Rather disturbingly, though, they all just march into her bedroom and stand around her bed singing at her. <laughs> That's her alarm clock. Who needs an alarm clock when you've got a bunch of kids who just walk in and sing at you? I can think of better ways to be woken up. Yeah, so can I. Interestingly, um, they we've uh, we've seen the colour kids before. There were seven of them, one for each colour of the rainbow. We won't go into the number of colours in the rainbow again. <laughs> uh, but they've introduced another one. There's a pink one. Who isn't actually mentioned or introduced or indeed speaks. She speaks. She doesn't speak. Uh, she doesn't do anything. She's just kind of there, leaving everybody looking around going, who the hell is that? She just turned up over winter. <laughs> You've got an eighth colour kids from somewhere. Where did this person? No, no idea. But never mind. There's work to do. Spring is here. So Rainbow has to head off to Earth to bring the colour and bring spring to the Earth, apparently. Um, of course, the colour kids, Rainbow Bright and the Sprites aren't the only people who live near Rainbow Land. No, we meet another brand new. Do we call her a colour kid? Her name is Stormy. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's jumping around on a cloud making thunderstorms and seems very unhappy at being asked to stop. Winter isn't over yet! Stormy, it's time for spring! I'm having too much fun! But again, she's not someone we've ever met before, so this is our introduction to her and she's being a brat. Yeah. She kind of blocks the way between Rainbow Bright and Earth, doesn't she? So Rainbow Bright's on a rainbow thing with Starlight. And has she got Twink with her? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're all going off. And then Stormy is there making thunder and lightning. She's having a lovely time, isn't she? And she's got her own horse. Yep. Sky Dancer. Big purple horse with a lightning strike symbol on his head where Starlight has a star. Sky Dancer has a lightning flash. Uh, and basically, they, it seems that every year they essentially have a race. Um, but it seems rather pointless because as Starlight points out, there isn't a horse in the universe who can outrun the magnificent Starlight. <laughs> I, I think we've mentioned before that Starlight has a ridiculously high opinion of himself and yet it seems to be well-founded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the evidence that we've seen so far does suggest Starlight is indeed magnificent. And therefore mm. I believe his uh, opinion of himself is justified. Mm. So Rainbow Bright is heading off to earth to make it spring. But there's somebody else who doesn't want spring. And of course, that's Murky. 
Mm. I would say murky and lurky, but murky, lurky loves spring and all the colours. He's very happy. He's really excited. <laughs> lurky <laughs> is delighted that it's nearly spring. Murky, no, he's never going to be spring. He's going to use his super gloom boomer to make everything dark and dismal again, yeah. which, you know, a, yet another spreading gloom thing. Yeah, this is like an absolutely standard uh, episode of Rainbow Bright kind of thing for him to do, isn't it? So you've got Rainbow Bright doing her thing. Uh, Murky's made a machine. Murky's all excited. Can I ride on the horse? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, th this is this is what usually happens in an episode of Rainbow Bright. So it's very familiar so far. Yeah. yeah, it is. And also familiar is it goes badly wrong because the machine runs away. Lurky drives after it, runs over Murky twice <laughs> in the grunge buggy. Um, again, why, why, why does Murky keep this guy around? That's the thing. I do still feel quite sorry for Murky because he is very cheerful. He loves spring. He loves colour. I can't help but think he would be so much happier if he were allowed to live in Rainbowland. Yeah, he, he's always happy to go to Rainbowland. It's... It's very odd. But on Earth, everywhere is thick with snow, uh, as we see two very nondescript grown 80s adults comment that it's a long winter this year. Enormous moustache. Yep, just that's like, how you know on it's the guy, 80s. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, on the guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, uh, and then we see a dog with a, a moustache dog as well, because, um, well, actually, I, I kind of like dogs with moustaches. Miniature schnauzers are great, so yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a familiar dog. We've met that dog before, and that dog belongs to Brian, who nearly falls off his bike but is rescued by Rainbow, who could never let anything happen to the only person on Earth who can see her. God knows what the magic is behind that, because she's fairly conspicuous, but there we go. <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's a little odd, actually, because, of course, the first time we meet him, she's trying to cheer him up by throwing rainbows everywhere. But there's also a question of secrecy that she can't let anyone see her. So I'm, I'm not really sure where the line is. And yeah, I don't know how it is that Brian's the only one who can see her. But at least this time he's happy to see her. Yes. Last time, uh, I think we spoke about it in the episode, she turned up, he was on his paper round and he was actually quite rejecting of her. But he's happy to see her this time. He is happy to see her. And she's going to bring spring. So she gets the star sprinkles and she shoots a rainbow into the snow and... Nothing happens. Oh, Rainbow Bright, what a letdown. <laughs> Wink thinks the star sprinkles might be tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, given everything else that we've seen in this show, it wouldn't surprise me if suddenly now star sprinkles get tired. This is a thing that might happen. And I also think that the reason why Rainbow Bright won't let anyone on Earth see her is because they will immediately say, how does that work then? <laughs> <laughs> and she's not answering that. No way. Either that or, you know, I could spend 50 quid on Dulux paint or... <laughs> Can I have a few green star sprinkles, please? My living room needs doing. I mean, she would literally be running around doing interior design for the rest of time. No eight-year-old, 700-year-old wants that. <laughs> She's got enough to do. So, yes. She so, is busy. She is busy. So they head back to Rainbow Land to figure out what's going on. And Starlight... Yeah, oh, Twink is trying to be all upbeat about it because he says, to Rainbowland! And Starlight's response is, I know where we're going. <laughs> I think that Twink and Starlight don't really go, oh, I get the impression that Twink wants Starlight to like him and Starlight just, just kind of puts up with him. Tolerates him. Yeah, I get that. Back in, well, not quite in Rainbowland, Murky and Lurky have retrieved the super gloom boomer um, 
but Lurky just tosses it to Murky, and because Murky is quite small, he immediately just falls off the edge of a cliff. And Lurky, being Lurky, jumps on top of him. Uh, that yeah. happens a lot in this cartoon. Lurky yes. ends up sitting on Murky. I do want to say, though, that their base, their castle, seems to have been downgraded, because they used to have, like, the chasm, the, you know, this vast the space. The pits. Mm. The pits, the yeah. pits. And now they've just got a little mound on a hill with a long snaky path leading up to it and yeah at the same time that rainbow castle was upgraded because now it has a moat yes a big moat yes there are some differences in the uh in the backgrounds and the animation of this compared to the series but uh the characters are all very much the same they haven't changed those designs mm. but yeah the backgrounds are different yeah murky's murky and lurky seem to live in a weird cave thing with a horrible face on it that is just up a road outside rainbow land rather than in the entire pits rocky Area. Yeah, they had a, a great big castle with a lab and a dungeon and yeah. everything you need, really. Indeed, they did. However, yes. at this point, a shooting star appears, uh, lands very close, blows a huge crater in the ground, and uh, Murky sends Lurky to find out what it is. Yes, and, well, suddenly a robot horse turns up and says, Are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's certainly some Terminator vibes about that robot horse because it just gets up and goes, Rainbow Bright. <laughs> find Rainbow Bright. <laughs> it's like, wow, this does not look Because this is a big, this is not, this is not a, a fun, friendly looking robot horse. This is a very dark blue, almost black robot horse thing with rocket powered feet and a rocket out of its tail with it, bright red eyes and a glowing red mane. It does not look friendly. It has a very threatening aura. Yeah. It does. And Although its main sort of glows when it speaks, so it sort of like goes up and down with like different lights. Or, well, all yeah. red lights on its main that go, which is, I thought that was quite cool, actually. I, yeah, I, it was. It was. It's a robot. What can I say? <laughs> it was. But I, yeah, I did enjoy uh, when Murky tells Lurky to go and see what it is. Lurky goes out and goes, oh, it's a lot of smoke, Murky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I particularly like the bit where Murky claims to be Rainbow Bright in order to find out what this horse wants. And Lurky just goes, Murky, I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> the horse, of course, is not fooled by this, uh, but it does let slip that it has a message about a diamond. Mm. And uh, Murky is captivated by the idea of a diamond, so he wants to know what the message is. Uh, instead of which, he tells the uh, horse where to find Rainbow Bright, and then they're going to follow it and eavesdrop on the message. Yeah. It's a bit of a change for Murky because normally he's single-minded. I want to destroy all the colour in the universe and Rainbow Bright. And now it's like, oh, actually, I quite like a diamond as well. <laughs> um, so it's just he's, he's branching out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After 700 odd years of not getting anywhere with Rainbow Bright, thought, oh, maybe I'll just get a big diamond and retire or something. That's quite a consolation prize, really. <laughs> it is, really. Um, but the horse appears in Rainbow Land, much to the consternation of the colour kids. Uh, then Rainbow Bright appears, and the horse delivers its message that Spectra is in danger. Spectra. Yes, this is not the counter-espionage... Uh, <laughs> you had it earlier. <laughs> whatever it was from James Bond. Um, yeah, the special executive for counterintelligence... Revenge, terror, and extortion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, I'm, I'm going on Wikipedia. Yeah. There we go. The, yes, the Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. I mean, you've got to be pretty confident in your evilness that you can just name yourself that. But <laughs> but this is a very different... This is this is yes. Spectra, not Spectre. 
Yes. This, this is Spectra, and it turns out Spectra, as Rainbow Bright knows, even though none of the other kids... She, she knows a lot of things that she hasn't bothered telling the other colour kids, it would appear. Uh, Spectra is a diamond planet, and all the light in the universe has to go through Spectra. So if Spectra is in danger, then the light will go out of the universe, and then, without the light of life, everything will die. I have physics questions. <laughs> I thought you might. What are your physics questions? How and why does all the light of the universe go through spectra? <laughs> Answers on a postcard too. That's very 1980s, isn't it? You don't do answer on a postcard these days. <laughs> Self-addressed envelope. <laughs> I'll get us a PO box and we'll get people to send us in postcards, all right? No, no, no. <laughs> podcast. Robots no, 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 in no, your no. eyes, PO box three. <laughs> no, 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 you got a ring. 0181-811-8181. We are showing our age. I'm showing your age even more because I remember when it was 081, not 0181. I remember when they put the one in the London numbers. Anyway, that's a massive tangent that has nothing to do with Rainbow Bright. So, how and why does all the light in the universe pass through spectra? It's never actually explained. It's just taken as a thing that is, and we need to make sure it keeps happening. Yes. I mean, you know, in terms of that, uh, that would appear to be a very bad design on the part of the universe <laughs> with a single point failure that could destroy everything. Jason, you just admit the universe is designed. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> that was my question as well, but badly. I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> badly. <laughs> it's designed bad. Of course the universe is designed badly. <laughs> I don't think you're the first person to notice that. <laughs> yes. Okay. But it is all slightly metaphorical because uh, metaphysical metaphorical because it kind of makes sense that the light comes from spectra and then is divided into colour by rainbow bright and spread to the planet Earth, that kind of... Uh, no, the star sprinkles... Okay, no, forget it. Just get on with it. Please stop. Also yeah. worth pointing out that in the Rainbow Bright universe, it appears to consist of Spectra, the planet this princess lives on, and the Earth. See, now that, that of course, was my other question, was is it only Earth that needs colour? But, of course, at the time this cartoon was made, we didn't have proof of planets existing elsewhere. I mean, we thought it was pretty likely. But since then, of course, we found hundreds of thousands of planets elsewhere. Yeah, at that point, it was the solar system and possibly there were planets elsewhere, but otherwise, we don't know. But now we've found so many of them, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but apparently Rainbow Bright exists in a universe where there Although, are very few places and only Earth needs colour. Yeah. Although, later on, uh, somebody can see Earth from Spectra, which suggests that Spectra and this other princess planet wherever she lives are within the solar system yeah and and there are sprites in all these places yes there are indeed i, I mean i assume that the sprites we see existing on spectra are basically the same kind of sprites which live in rainbow land they i mean they physically look the same although they act a little differently they do yes but yeah, maybe sprites are the basic life forms of the universe outside Earth, I don't know. They are very cute and lovable. But anyway, the robot horse reveals that its name is Onyx and it's come from Orin. And the only Orin that Rainbow knows of is the... Uh, Orin is a character from stories that sprites tell each other at bedtime. It's very it doesn't dismissive. exist. It's very dismissive of what I believe to be the sprites religion. Yes, as Twinkie is like, hey, he does exist actually, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. 
Oh, no, the, the sprites telling each other stories at bedtime. Can you imagine the squeaking? And, oh, I did. <laughs> You're supposed to be going to sleep. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rainbow agrees to go because the whole universe is in danger. So naturally, uh, we must rely on an eight-year-old girl. As ever. And a horse. Yes. And, and it's worse than that. She leaves Twink in charge of Rainbow Land. <laughs> This is something I think we've spoken about before, that the colour kids cannot cope when Rainbow is away from Rainbowland. Yeah, it seems that all they can do is gather the star sprinkles and be prepared for whatever Rainbow has in mind. But when she's not there, they can't actually do anything. So the colour kids can't bring colour to the universe by themselves. They can't operate the colour castle by themselves, it would seem. Can't go to the loo by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. See, I would say to... can't change their socks by themselves, but they never actually change their clothes and apparently sleep in them as well. So, <laughs> but wouldn't it be easier if the colour kids, if can Rainbow Bright delegate? You know, if Buddy Blue could be responsible for all the blue stuff, Lala Orange could be responsible for the orange stuff, Canary Yellow responsible for all the yellow stuff. Would that? But then we have discussed whether Rainbow Bright is a dictator, so I don't know. If, we I, have, yes. If she did that, she'd come back and it'd be like civil war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'd be anyway yeah no so okay so they're going off on an adventure let's have an adventure they're going for an adventure stormy appears and asks to help as well which is uh it's an odd one because they make a big thing about the the competition between rainbow bright and stormy at the beginning which is you know you'd think that's it it's all done there's the person who makes winter she's been outrun she's no oh no more for anything else and then she turns up and says, but I never get to make anything bright and beautiful. Well, no, that's literally not your job. <laughs> mm. But they, they make a big thing about there's a whole thing with them smiling at each other. And isn't that great? And then we hardly see Stormy again ever for the rest of the movie. But didn't she say she was going to go with them and help? Well, no, you think when she, when she said she was going to help, apparently that means stay behind in Rainbowland and help the colour kids and the sprites. Do nothing. Well, we, we do see her briefly using Skydancer to tow trucks up and down the railway that takes the trucks full of star sprinkles around. But other than that... Mm. I want to see more of Skydancer because although Starlight might be the most magnificent horse in the universe, Skydancer is purple. And that I like. He's much cooler, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole lightning hooves thing <laughs> oh, is yeah. pretty good. And ice breath. Yes. Yeah, I felt like we kind of missed a trick with Stormy. She was introduced as a character that does something interesting. She's very forthright. She's enjoying herself. But I don't think we really saw enough of her. It, it mm. almost felt like a waste. Because yeah. she's great. She's interesting. <laughs> she's got a slightly more... What's the word? Not grown up. She's got a slightly more interesting look about her. She's got different colours on her clothes. She's got that braid coming down the side with different colours in it. She's got a slightly more exciting hairdo. She looks interesting and she's got her own horse. Yeah, it's uh, it's rather, rather a missed opportunity, as you say. But Rainbow's on the way to uh, Spectra. Murky uh, has built a spaceship. You say built a spaceship, it's very much a jerry-rigged collection of spaceship-shaped parts <laughs> held together literally with rope. Yes. Which is, that's, it's a very murky kind of invention, isn't it? It is, and, and apparently requires the grunge buggy to crash into the back of it to work. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He does have these inventions which look like collections of junk, 
but they do work. They do work. They do generally work. Uh, I do love the bit with the grunge buggy where Lurky is driving. Having packed a picnic basket full of tinned goods, where do they buy their tinned goods? I've seen no evidence of a supermarket in Rainbowland or the pits. Well, clearly there is one. But there must be some kind of... <laughs> yes. Uh, having been on a... I, I once went on an expedition uh, in the Himalayas, and I can tell you that taking tinned goods in backpacks is... It was such a bad idea because they're so heavy. Yes. You know, and everyone's carrying all these tins. It's just like, oh, God. And of course, uh, there's no sign that he's packed a tin opener either. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is very true. I didn't um, take it but, to the Himalayas. I, yeah, many, many years ago. I'll tell you about it sometime. <laughs> Please do. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Intriguingly, they have a picnic basket. And I just love the image of Murky and Lurky every so often going out for a picnic somewhere. <laughs> Lurky would love that. <coughs> Lurky would, would love it. love that. Murky with his cocktail though. shaker. Absolutely. <laughs> I, again, I feel sorry for Lurky because he's having a fun trip out. He has no idea what's happening a lot of the time. He he lives very much in the moment and any opportunity to have fun. We see him later on. Or was it earlier on where he, he was, oh, you're dancing. Yeah, I want to dance too. <laughs> yeah. He's just having a lot of fun. He doesn't know what's happening, but he's so cheerful. Yeah, he is. But they take off on this spaceship and off they go. And in on Spectra, uh, half the light is shining through. This planet seems to be covered by something. And when they land, when Rainbow Bright and Starlight land on Spectra, they find that it is in fact covered by an enormous net. Yes. I, I, okay, I never got to the bottom of why this was happening. But yes. So yeah, there, there's all this kind of web web net kind of stuff and it looks like it's uh, uh, looks like something yeah a, a horrible knitted jumper yes this massive knitted jumper covering the entire spectrum which is a giant diamond the size of the sun and it's got a completely flat surface which is kept flat by it's kept polished by sprites with polishing booties that float that skate around on it basically and keep it polished um, the net is being woven because the princess is going to have a spaceship with grabby arms which are going to grab the net and drag Spectra to her planet. Um, let's not get into the physics questions of what happens if you yank a planet out of orbit and chuck it next to another one, because um, that is not going to end well. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> the planet is essentially a giant diamond and she wants the biggest diamond in the universe, which it probably is. And, oh, you do get diamonds very, very large diamonds, don't you, out in space? There have been diamond planets, diamond planets and diamond yeah. dwarf stars and things have been discovered, yes. But, uh... Yeah, but you couldn't wear it. I'm not really <laughs> sure what she wants. It seems it's just about just the having of it. Yes. Bragging rights? Bragging rights. But there's nothing else that you could do with it because it is a diamond the size of a planet. What can you do with a diamond the size of a planet? And as I said, if you bring it into the orbit of your own planet, Oh boy, is that going to go badly. <laughs> also, that must be one hell of a spaceship if it's got enough power to pull a planet with a rope net. <laughs> That's a hell of a rope net. But uh, yeah. But who's making the net? Well, Spectra has sprites. Mm. And they all appear to have been hypnotised. And they're weaving happily. Where's all the rope coming from? It's being spat out by giant robots. Which are actually really scary, I thought. They have a very threatening 
look about them. They're very big. They stomp around producing this rope. They seem to have faces both on the front and back, so you can't escape them looking at you. Yeah, I thought that was cool, yeah. And they're, they're, they're gold as well. So they're big golden robots with big shoulders, and they've got uh, sort of little uh, display things on their chests, and they're 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 quite they're pretty good robots. They're not mm. bad robots. They sound like a herd of wildebeest. For some reason, they walk around the planet going, <laughs> burr, burr, <laughs> bit gassy, <burr. laughs> and they have fur slippers. Yes, everyone has fur slippers on this planet. Who we meet, yes. to, because it's all slip. Actually, that that can't work. Having fur slippers isn't going to help you. On a icy, slippery, low-friction surface. Is Not ice, it? it's diamond. Diamonds, diamond surface. No, that's actually very true. I once saw my pet rabbit slide across the bottom shelf of a bookcase, which was empty at the time, because, of course, rabbits don't have paw pads, they just have fur underneath, and mm. he jumped on and just slid. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I laughed. Well, it was funny. It was. <laughs> So, in order to uh, attempt to escape the Glitterbots, there's a bit of an altercation. They run away. There's lots of backwards and forwards going on. But basically, the uh, the end result is that Starlight and Rainbow Bright end up in a river. Again. Again. <laughs> Only this river, Starlight can't swim in for some reason, because whatever it's made of. And again, we're back to never-ending story flashbacks <laughs> of a horse in a body of water, quicksand, whatever struggling yeah. <laughs> how to really upset anyone of the ages between about sort of 35 and 45 is to reference that scene <laughs> that was a defining moment in our childhood i feel for some reason there is a boat in the middle of it and rainbow jumps into the boat yeah. starlight insists the boat won't take him it's only a little rowboat but he jumps into it anyway and then they realize that this little rowboat has no oars and no sail and they can't make it move. But never mind, because they have a rocket-powered robot horse. Yeah, Onyx turns up again. He does. Onyx turns up Just and in time. hooks himself over the back of the boat and uses his rockets to propel the boat down the river and escape the glitter bots. Which at this point are actually kind of wading through the river, shooting at them. Yeah. Yeah, so they're absolutely at head height. And all you can see, they've got diamonds on their heads and they're blasting hypno-rays with the diamonds. One blasts another one, which causes it to explode. If you're not following this, don't worry. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We've watched it and we're not following it. <laughs> we have our heroes in a boat going down a river. What could possibly go wrong at this point? I'll give you one second to make a guess. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we've said before, rapids and waterfalls... We were, we were shown a lot of these as kids in cartoons. And quicksand. And quicksand. But as you said on a previous one... Less of a problem in adulthood than I'd been prepared for. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to know that I actually know how to deal with quicksand, for instance, but it hasn't been useful so far. There's not a lot of quicksand around the area, is there? No, or maybe we should make some and I can just rescue people who fall into the quicksand I know. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I think I've found my villain origin story. <laughs> nice. so if they wanted you to prepare for adult life, they'd be going down the river and someone would stop them and get them to arrange a mortgage. That's, <laughs> what, that's what would happen. Oh, no, it's the tax return bots. <laughs> Press button P45 immediately. <laughs> Yes, but, so they're going down a waterfall, I, and it's a scary, huge waterfall. But fortunately, they're saved somehow. 
and I can't remember how. They're saved because Onyx goes to the front of the boat, uses his rockets to slow it down, can't fight the current, but can lift the boat and fly it off to safety. What he can't do is land it because he basically just drops them. Yeah, so instead of instead of going down the waterfall, they just get chucked off the cliff. Onto a diamond. Onto a diamond, yeah. That's going to end. That's, uh, that's got to hurt. Well, it hurts the boat. The boat's smashed. But fortunately, they're on land now, so it's fine. Yeah, but they are outside a dome, which is occupied by Chris. The Chris. guy that Onyx has been looking for. Onyx has been looking for Orin, but he also makes mention of finding Chris. Yeah. And who on earth is Chris? Well, Chris, it turns out, is a young boy with some kind of helmet on and some very weird clothes that look very similar to Rainbow Brights in style. Yeah. It's all those puffy kind of rings, like bagels around his legs and things. Yeah. yeah. And there are some similarities here with when they first found Red Butler in that the first thing he does is talk about fighting you, fighting the people who have found him. Yeah. I, I don't entirely like the way that some of the boys are introduced to this show. I think that we've said before that this probably was aimed at girls as a cartoon series, but the boys they bring to it are very disparaging of Rainbow Bright, very much, you're just a girl, I don't need a girl's help. It's not good. Thankfully, Rainbow doesn't lower herself, and, oh, you're just a boy, smelly boys, or whatever. But I am a little uncomfortable with it, that it's very much that these boys are actually very rude and dismissive. And I feel like there are so many other ways to provoke or talk about conflict without falling back on that tired trope with Brian and with Chris. It's like, can we have something new? Because mm. we're all very familiar with poor representation of women in cartoons like the Transformers. Um, but here it's it's the other way around. It's like the boys are very much um, violence-led and mm -hmm. cliched in that respect, which mm -hmm. is, it's, it's doing it the other way around. It's saying boys will always behave like this. And yeah, boys do sometimes behave like that, but yeah, I think, I think, I don't know, it could be better, couldn't it? It could indeed be a lot better. Um, but Chris eventually gives uh, Rainbow Bright the information about her, the princess wanting to steal Spectra. And Rainbow says, we'll just have to stop her. Oh, go and tell that to the princess then. Okay, just tell me where to go. Rainbow Bright is so incredibly optimistic. Whatever she faces, she's very much focused on, but we have to do this. We're going to do this. We have to try. And she's quite often surrounded by characters who say that she can't do it, it's hopeless, it's too scary, it's too difficult. She is the eternal optimist. And I I would be happier if people were more prepared to back her up rather than keep telling her she can't do it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. But they go to the princess's planet and they go to her castle, which in common with many evil lairs, it, A, is stupendously impractical architecture because it appears to be just balanced on a few narrow things and stick out into the middle of nowhere and is accessed by a long, flat bridge with no safety railings whatsoever <laughs> over, would you believe it, a massive chasm. But it's fabulous. <laughs> it is gorgeous. The thing is, when you see this castle, OK, we've already met the princess and know she's a baddon, but... When you see this castle, this fortress, it instantly says, yeah, this is a bad place, it's a scary place. But it looks gorgeous. It's got, like, all these little buildings on the top of it, almost like there's a little city mm. sitting on top of this quite slender structure. 
yeah, it is really nice actually. Again, with uh, we've said before on, on Transformers on Rainbow Bright, he said the, the the backgrounds and the scenery are usually really well realised, yeah. and that's definitely true here. I think that's superb. This, this is not just a, a quick line drawing that's been coloured in grey to represent a castle. This is a really elaborate piece mm -hmm. of architecture. It's really really good. Um, well, oddly enough, somebody has noticed that the rather colourfully dressed children and two horses are trying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> intruders! They're very excited about the intruders. Intruders! The princess comes and goes, I didn't invite them. It's like, no, that is the definition of an intruder, is someone you didn't invite. So... I imagine they don't get visitors very often. No, and she's not very impressed with children, so she says get rid of them, and somehow they just create an enormous wind. Hmm. She's magical. That's the other thing which isn't really explained or talked about very much, but she appears to have magical powers. Yes, she does indeed have magical powers. Uh, she also has uh, a walkway to the entrance to her castle that can uh, make half of itself disappear completely and then retract the other half towards the doors uh, with giant spikes on. The doors have massive spikes. Yeah, so it's perilled. So they've left the horses behind, haven't they? Yes, they've I mean, left the horses behind. Chris... Starlight did try and rescue them, but at yeah. that point, half the bridge disappeared, so he's stuck on the on yeah. the land. Yeah, so it's Chris and Rainbow Bright on the travelator getting pulled towards these giant spikes on the doors. Yeah. yeah, now there's a slight, I noticed anyway, a slight disparity in what the animation is trying to convey and what it actually conveys, because the spikes are so massive and so far apart that they could just move to one side slightly <laughs> and avoid them entirely. No, I noticed that as well. Um, but, yeah. The, the, but at that point, the doors open and they walk into a giant entrance hall. And what happens then? See, now this bit actually is quite menacing. These kind of smoke things appear out of the floor and resolve themselves into evil frogs is the only way I can describe them little black creatures that are kind of froggy and speak in unison. That is always vaguely threatening. There's Greek chorus and there's this. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a, they, they are sort of ask, what are you doing here in a creepy way, something like yes. that. Doesn't... What do you seek here? We want to talk to the princess yeah. and they go, no, and then they get more scary because they all merge together into one giant creature. Mm -hmm. that threatens them but she zaps it with a rainbow and it gets a rainbow coloured head for a while and can't see and Chris grabs her and drags her away and they, again they have the antagonism between them because he says you even need someone to show you which way to run and they said well some of us aren't used to running away ooh burn <laughs> <laughs> ooh. yeah she very rarely runs away but they run down this corridor and there's a big door at the end of the corridor which opens and then part of the floor drops down and they end up going down a super fun happy slide <laughs> <laughs> i probably shouldn't but when are we here again <laughs> this is i thought this was absolutely hilarious because they 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 created this giant black monster that's chasing them then they drop through the slide and the monster falls off the slide and can't keep up with them anymore. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a threat. It's completely neutered by the next bit of the peril that they have to end up in. Um, well, you've got to control your giant black evil frog somehow. Yeah. Well, they end up down at the bottom of a big shaft somewhere with a gold cage elevator car thing. And, uh, I, I mean, they, they don't seem to realise it's an elevator right away. It's just like a little gold cage with buttons in it. 
And what do they do? They go in and they start pressing the buttons. Yep. And they get taken right up to the princess. Where's my present? And the princess has seen Rainbow Bright using the colour belt and she wants the colour belt. But she, but it's interesting because she's a princess and she's very childish. And any time anyone comes to see her, it's like her birthday and she demands a present. Yeah. Weirdly, at this point, we also get a good look that she's she seems to have a pet diamond or some other gem. I was confused by she she strokes it and speaks to it like it's sentient. I don't think it is. Are we supposed to assume that she's not quite all there? Yeah, so she, yeah, she's got so it's it sits on her throne at one point, and she's got a little basket for it, and she takes it for walks. The little this diamond, for yeah, the gem yeah. was quite weird. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cat-sized, weird, slightly green gemstone thing. And you know, when I first watched it, I was expecting at some point we're going to find out that it is actually some kind of creature, and at the end, it's going to come to life or that something. But it, it didn't. Um, I Which is thankfully just as well, later. considering what happens later on. Um, but, but the princess has, in the middle of her throne room, on a on a stand, a weird gemstone, a spherical gemstone. And through that, she appears to be able to magnify magical powers, and she uses it to attack Chris and Rainbow, and uh, renders them unconscious, and steals Rainbow Bright's colour belt and throws Chris and Rainbow into a dungeon where, because they still haven't learned how to cooperate, they argue over whose fault it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so firstly, there's this gemstone that fires... This is a pink gemstone. It fires pink at them and pink electrical bolts. Yes, which is the universal colour for bad guys' um, energy yeah. weapons because Decepticon it's... weapons are all pink, aren't yeah, they, in yeah. Transformers? Lovely pink. And this, this dungeon they get put in has got the most shocking flight of steps, which are about, like, one inch wide and three inches high. So it's almost impossible to go back up these steps to yeah, the front door. Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a staircase there. <laughs> um, but outside, Starlight and Onyx. Onyx can't break through the wall. <laughs> he has a good go. He has a good go. Yeah. But instead, he agrees to be a distraction. Uh, while Starlight gets in, because the bridge has reappeared now. <laughs> the bridge to the front door has reappeared. Onyx goes, and it turns out that uh, this castle has lots of lasers, <laughs> and it looks like some kind of video game with this little horse flying around being shot he's, at from all angles. He's doing all kinds of aerobatic tricks. He's spinning around, he's turning upside down, he's whizzing around, he's really making a show of it. To be honest, that's not what I expected the plan to be. Uh, I expected Onyx to carry... Starlight to the bit where Onyx had tried to bash into the cell where Starlight could kick at the wall to get them out because we have seen Starlight kick at things before. We um, have. Walls, sides of pits, twink, <laughs> in order to help people. That's kind of what I expected them to do, but this plan's good too. It works. It works indeed. And uh, Starlight gets in, looks for the stairs, finds the elevator and there is an absolutely delightful bit of animation where he essentially looks down the camera and goes oh. his expression is brilliant <laughs> like okay and they they don't it's unusual uh when you have um 
animation, I think, but they actually make a point of him squeezing himself in and looking very uncomfortable and unhappy about what he has to do and trying. And he's not magically able to just nose the buttons and make them work. He can't make them operate at all. And it's only because the princess is annoyed about the, the noise and she summons the lift herself that he ends up going up there. <laughs> so I thought that was quite a nice touch. Um, but she is understandably quite surprised when a large horse appears in her lift. <laughs> It's not the kind of thing she expects to happen often. No, and despite her shouting, nobody is able to stop Starlight leaping into her bedroom, grabbing the colour belt and running away again. Well, but... She's got such a nice, lavish bedroom. And don't we see her with a sort of, she's got little furry pom-pom high heels as well. Oh, yes. When she gets out of bed, yeah. Absolutely. She has her hair in curlers at one point, <laughs> which, when she is surprised, just fly out of her hair completely. Because every, everyone who is surprised in a cartoon has very animated hair that goes, Wah! <laughs> No, that actually happened to me. <laughs> okay uh, but uh, Starlight is actually driven out onto the balcony where he tosses the colour belt to Onyx who delivers the most amazing bit of um, aerobatics because he flies up into the air turns upside down so it falls and then just headbutts it at precisely the right <laughs> moment to fling it through the window at which point Rainbow gets the, star, the colour belt on generates a rainbow which makes an escalator up to the window so they can get out which is just as well because what's happened on the balcony so the princess has got all these guards who've got big red robes and they've got these sticks with like sharp moons on the end these crescent moons on the end and oh no they're like starlight's on the balcony the balcony, this balcony has a railing for a change for once, <laughs> but it, they, it sort of like backs into the into the railing, railing breaks and Starlight gets knocked off the edge and is unable to fly at this point because he hasn't got magical rainbows to fly on. Yep. That's, that's it for Starlight. And as mm. we said on a previous one where he fell, you know that this is a bad fall because they animate him falling on his back. Yeah. yeah. If he's falling feet first, you think he's probably going to jump on something or land on something. But when he's falling on, on his back, you know, if he hits the ground. Well, he appears to be unconscious at this point. He's going to make a mess. He's just kind of very loose and falling that way. Yeah. But Rainbow zaps a rainbow and he falls onto that instead. And he's OK. It's all good. And so Rainbow and Starlight and Chris and Onyx make their escape. And they're going to head back to Rainbow Land because Rainbow needs more power. She needs more star sprinkles um, so that she can deal with the princess. Yeah. And so that's it, isn't it? Except, of course, the princess has her magical jewel and is very annoyed. Mm. She sends out some kind of pink ray <laughs> that opens up a weird portal in space and zaps them onto her prison planet. Yeah, that is what happens, isn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a bit more involved than that. Yeah, they make yeah. a bit more dramatic uh, trying yeah. to escape from the clutches of this, this weird thing. Yeah, so the ray's chasing them and, and they can uh, obviously travel at the speed of light and all this kind of stuff. And yet the princess did pause to change clothes because she had been running around in her nightwear. <laughs> yes, now nightwear. she's Now back she's in back her in her skin-tight black, yeah. I mean business heels and everything. She did pause to get changed. Mm. Yeah, But they end up on a prison planet in a little cave at the top of a tower of rock. Starlight isn't impressed, falls off it, but is saved from falling to the ground by energy beams from Glitterbots. Yes, the Glitterbots are on this planet as well. At this point, we start meeting just loads and loads of people and aliens and things. And it's it's like yeah. there are hundreds of people on this prison planet. So they've got all these spires, these sort of like rock spires. 
and like there are cages that come out of them to imprison you and they can't break through the cages and all this kind of stuff and there's like two old people who have been in one of these spires for ages um decades decades yeah yeah, yeah. and they get one moment and then they're never seen again they don't get rescued they're still there <laughs> The yeah, end. no one, no one mentions, no, no one, one mentions this prison them. planet again at the end of this movie. It's like, there's, there's loads of prisoners there. Are you going to rescue them? No, we're no. all right. <laughs> we've, we've, we've saved the universe. Give us a break. We don't need to rescue all those people. But uh, the Glitterbots are under the command of uh, Sergeant Zombo. Yes, Sergeant Zombo with the big upper lip uh, that covers half his mouth. Yes, uh, and he speaks out of one side because he's <laughs> and he's a big hard military sergeant. Uh, and he's decided that Starlight is his horse now and he's going to rename him Crusader. And off he goes with the Glitterbots having captured Starlight. Well, Chris isn't having any of this and he's going to be a big tough man and get everybody out. And he jumps onto Onyx, who flies at full pelt towards the railings and crashes into them and doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> that was but hilarious. then, purely by accident, reverses out the back of the cave and blows a huge hole in the rock. <laughs> and this is obstacle cleared. But yeah, that wasn't the one you were supposed to clear, but great, thanks. We're going to count it as a win. We're going to count it as a win. So they get away hmm. and they have to find Starlight and find their way back to Rainbow Land. At some point, I think we get a brief cut back to Rainbow Land to show the sprites are still mining the star sprinkles and Stormy is helping and the colour kids are trying to get colour everything and it's not working and all that long. Yeah. But there's a brief kind of... Things are happening in Rainbow Land, but yeah. nothing is actually making any difference. Because so. we see their huge colour organ rainbow thing that they have in the middle of their rainbow castle, and it blasts. It does. It looks slightly better than it does in the cartoon. Mm. There's a usual thing of trying to blast rainbows everywhere, but they're kind of grey muted rainbows, and Twink's very disappointed. Yes, we should also mention what happens on Earth as well. Yes, things are happening on Earth too, because without the colour from Rainbow Land. The winter is continuing. Everything is very drab. The colour is fading on Earth completely. Uh, the television appears to have gone black and white. Yeah. And there's a newsreader reporting problems all over the world. And in fact, things are so bad that why should I be the only one who hasn't given up? And he throws his papers around and walks off. It does make me ask, how long has this been going on for? Yeah. You can see that everyone is very miserable. We see someone just slumped over. The newsreader gives up live on air, which... I don't know how it was for you as kids, but growing up, newsreaders were always the most serious of people. Of course, in the 1980s, newsreaders were, um, they didn't have regional accents, nothing was fun. The news was a serious business. I think things have changed a little bit. Mm. And the idea of seeing a newsreader actually lose it on air, maybe things yeah. are different elsewhere, but in this country, it's like, no, it, it would not happen. Even when the worst things happened, they were very serious, very controlled. Yeah. Also, Brian pulls out the key that Rainbow gave him before. And this is the point where he said, oh, I put it in any lock and it will go straight to Rainbow Land. And you think, oh, great, Brian is going to take part in the story somehow. And he puts the Rainbow key in the lock. He opens the door of his closet and there's a faint rainbow that just disappears. Mm. And the magic has failed. And all he does is shout Rainbow help. And so you think, oh, Brian's going to take part in the story. No, he's no. not. He's just there. He's just there. Because we don't need two male protagonists in this story. Because we've already got Chris now. We don't need Brian. We've got Chris. Chris is very Brian-like as he a character. He is, yes. They, they seem to have 
limited ability to characterise the boys in this cartoon Definitely. series. They're basically all the same. It's true, actually. The girls are generally more varied and a bit more interesting, but there's one type of boy. Yeah. I mean, it was even sports in... and fighting and misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in the, the previous episode, the Mighty Monster Merc Menace, uh, Red Butler and Brian were butting heads because they had very similar personalities and were just... Yeah, it's a shame. It is. It is a great shame. Um, so, yeah, Rainbow Land, things aren't going so great. On Earth, things are getting desperate. Um, but on the prison planet, they've got a plan. They're going to go and rescue Starlight and go back to Rainbow Land, at which point, out of nowhere, giant lizard creatures appear and attack them. Sort of salamander frog-like creatures, aren't they? So the yeah. ones we see at first have got huge cloaks on. Yes. Yeah. Um, they grab, they go for Rainbow. She hides in a rock. Uh, they grab Chris, yep. um, who isn't the least bit interested in saving Rainbow because all he does is turn around and notice that Onyx is being attacked by one of these creatures as well. Onyx uh, can't cope with the load of one of these giant creatures and says overload and then just crashes. Yeah. So were, were these scary, these lizard creatures, or not particularly? I thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were quite scary. Yeah, I thought they were. Um, not as scary as some other things that we may have seen, but uh... not as scary as the Greek chorus of frogs. No, no. <laughs> oh, don't don't say chorus of frogs because now in my head I'm just going bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so thank you for getting that stuck in my head. I really appreciate that. Uh, Rainbow uh, manages not to be grabbed by one of these creatures, but she does fall down a hole. Where there are more creatures waiting. Yes, it's not going well for her with falling down holes, is it, lately? <laughs> it's not. She's fallen down a lot of things. Um, yeah. But she ends up in an underground lake, which is full of these great lizard creatures, which do not have the cloaks on. So evidently they only yeah. put those on to go out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're bathing around in the nip, uh, just uh, having a very nice time. They seem to be having a conversation, so they're somewhat intelligent as presented. Yes, they are presented as having a conversation, um, but a gibberish conversation that we can't understand. But yes, Gibberish to us, but presumably but to, them, to them. Yeah, absolutely. But she finds uh, a large stalagmite or what appears to be a stalagmite that points through a hole in the ceiling so she climbs up it yeah and they spot her because again she's the brightest colored thing in the vicinity <laughs> she's not big on camouflage she's not at all big on camouflage no um so they 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 all crowd around the bottom and start climbing up just over to her left is a similar pillar which is being climbed by an old sprite who calls her name yeah, this old sprite recognises her. So this is the one we saw at the start of the episode. He's he's like an elderly sprite with a bit with a, a, a moustache again. It's a big grey moustache. Yeah, Orin. It is, isn't it? It is indeed, although we don't immediately realise that. Um, but what he does do is point to where his belt and pouch are over on the on the side, because she has star sprinkles in them. And that's fantastic. Because now she can power up the colour belt and fire rainbows and she shoots rainbows into the eyes of one of these creatures that falls through a hole and into the water with lots of rock flying. And then for some reason she doesn't use it again and they kind of stand and watch as a whole horde of them advance. But they advance so carelessly that they knock all the rocks around and end up falling through a big hole that they make themselves. Yeah, and also the animation goes to pot at this point. Yes, it, it was... Poor. Yeah, the... The, the backgrounds were fantastic and really gorgeous. And then at this one point, it looks very cheap and rubbish. Mm, yeah, very Just poorly done, yeah. Very poorly done. Um, but never mind. 
Orin and Rainbow have escaped. Orin has decided the time has come for Chris to have this. And he pulls out something. It looks like an eraser, frankly. <laughs> it does. With a wrist strap. An eraser with a wrist strap. So, oh, well, when I go back to school, that'll be so good. Because I just rub things out. <laughs> that age, we would have thought that was really cool. <laughs> but he says, yeah, give it to Chris. Uh, because he knew that Rainbow and Chris would meet. And their powers, or her power, would help him to become the warrior he's always dreamed of. Because he's a boy, so naturally he's dreamed of being a warrior. By our powers combined. <laughs> <laughs> I am Captain Planets. What a terrible show. Yes, it was a terrible show. We're go I think we're going to avoid that one as far as possible for this. The thing is, Orin is very much pressuring them to work together, which I think Rainbow Bright has always been open to. Really, the resistance is coming from Chris. Chris is very much, I am alone in this. I am the lone warrior. And he doesn't want a teammate, especially one who's a girl. No, he doesn't. But together with Onyx, Rainbow and Chris rescue Starlight. Starlight is having the time of his life because he's been captured, but he's winding up Sergeant Zombo something terrible because Zombo is giving orders to the Glitterbots. Doesn't know that Starlight can talk. And so every so often Starlight's going, Ten -ten! <laughs> And the Glitterbots just stop. And like, who said that? <laughs> really, really funny. Murky <laughs> and, um, and Lurky, it, oddly, are also on this prison planet. Oh, remember Murky and Lurky? Yeah, yeah, they're still in it. <laughs> they're still in it. They're on the prison planet too. Um, and they're looking for their spaceship, which they find in the fort. And then chaos happens. Uh, Zombo gets his weapon, sees Rainbow approaching on a... Uh, um, Rainbow and Starlight approaching on a rainbow and tells him to stand still so he can shoot him, which yeah. oddly enough, Starlight does not do. <laughs> Can't think why. Uh, and Rainbow gives Chris the prism, as we find out that it is, and he straps it to his wrist. And it turns out that with Rainbow's power, this prism can shoot uh, heat rays or freeze rays or all sorts of things. No, it's just heat rays and freeze rays. I, does it shoot anything else? Well, we don't see it shooting okay. anything else, but yeah. that's only two things. It must be able to do other things, you know. <laughs> it's a prism. It can divert light into different colours. Hang on, that's what Rainbow Bright does. Yeah, can't oh, do that. No, okay, all right. Yes, no, heat rays and freeze rays we can yeah. see, definitely. So he, he uses a heat ray on Zombo's weapon and then freezes Zombo into a big chunk of ice. But this Wait. is actually a very good chunk. I've seen a lot of people frozen in chunks of ice lately. <laughs> and this is, As you do. This is a very good chunk because it actually, it, it's his entire shape and it's nicely coloured and he's nicely iced up. He's not in a block. He's just iced himself. That was good. It did remind me strongly of uh, the beginning of Rainbow Land, which we watched, where we found a bunch of sprites and indeed Starlight himself yes. encased in... Was it crystal? Was it ice? I don't think it was ever entirely clear. It reminded me very strongly of that. It was basically the same kind of thing. Yeah. Dice Chris who froze all those people. Chris. <laughs> okay, possibly. But they escape. Starlight, Chris, Onyx and Rainbow escape. Murky and Lurky do not, because as Murky points out, why would you build a fort with only one gate? <laughs> I feel like Murky... If he were open to it, could possibly learn something about fortress building at this point. But I don't think that's his MO, really. He's not going to, he's never learned anything in his life by the looks of it. So. Well, no. And he is brought before the princess, he and Lurky are brought before the princess 
says she wants Rainbow Bright. And Murky says, oh, I know her. I've been fighting her for years. At which point the sergeant says, why haven't you stopped her then? Um, I haven't got an answer to that. Yes. It's a fair question. You've been fighting her for five episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Not, uh, But again, yeah, he's been fighting her for years and Rainbow Bright is clearly not going to get any older at any point. She's Mm -hmm. not, she's not an ageing thing. It's like, yeah, it's, I was going to say it's like Never Never Land, but they do age out of that. It's an unaging place. Things happen, events occur, but you don't age. Yeah, Rainbow Bright will always be the same age. I, oh no, but it's, oh, she, did she meet Brian in the first episode or was that later on? She met Brian in the first episode that was shown, as I think we discussed yeah, before. Right, yeah. They did Peril in the Pits was the first episode that was shown and that's when they first met Brian. Yeah, because Brian hasn't aged either. That's the point. So Brian, yeah. they've only met mm-hmm. Brian lately. Yeah. Because he's still mm-hmm. 11. Yeah. Um, well, Murky says that Rainbow has many colour belts, and so the princess tells him to go and get her and get these other colour belts. I thought that was pretty quick thinking, actually, from Murky to come up with a lie like that. <laughs> it was indeed, but they decide instead, of course, they're going to head back to Spectra because Murky wants the diamond. Uh, we did miss out one thing which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Murky and Lurky crashed on Spectra early on in this. Uh, thing shortly after rainbow and starlight arrive and they're sneaking around trying to find out what's going on and uh, lurky announces something loudly and murky grabs him beside and sarcastically as if to say would you please be quiet says why don't you just tell them where we are and lurky's response is to go okay murky oh no bites we're over here which is Brilliant. I love him. I was also mentioning that at that point he's wearing his astronaut outfit. So Lurky, the big brown furry thing, has been squeezing himself and he's got this sort of like the glass bubble helmet. But the he couldn't get into the rest of the astronaut outfit. So he's got the legs and the rest of the outfit <laughs> hanging out behind him. He's a total, total wreck. It's, but it's still great to see. It is hilarious. But they decide they're going to head back to Spectra because Murky wants the diamond again. Uh, I mean, even Lurky calls this out. So how are we going to get that on the spaceship, Murky? <laughs> Again, no answer to that. Planet-sized diamond? Yes, no, it can't possibly work. Not at all. But, so, so Orin has met up with Starlight, Rainbow, Chris and Onyx, apparently on some kind of asteroid belt. How are they breathing? <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, don't go. No, don't sorry, go. sorry. <laughs> and they discuss strategy. Orin tells them of the magical crystal, which seems pointless because Chris and Rainbow have both encountered this crystal. They know what it is. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, he says, well, I'll take Onyx and try and stop the net from being built and expose more of Spectra's light. And you guys go and tackle that magic crystal. Yeah. So the elderly twink is going off to do the bit that's actually going to save the universe. And Chris and Rainbow Bright are going to go and defeat the villain. That's yes. Right. Yes. Good. Good. I got it. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. And so they have. There is one way in that is so perilous that it's unguarded. That is such a common trope, isn't it? <laughs> Here's a dangerous way in. We yep. won't put any guards on it because no one would be stupid enough to go that way. But yep. one does not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs> indeed, one does not. One in this case jumps onto a giant gear. A giant cog that turns, it appears to be a water wheel of some description. We're not entirely sure what it's powering, but maybe it's how the lights work. I don't know. 
but they jump onto a giant cog and they suffer Mm. from the same failure to realise what a cog actually is as everyone else that you ever see trying to jump on a giant cog, which is at some point in its rotation, it is going to encounter another giant cog where the teeth will intertwine and crush you. Ah, but not necessarily in this case because it's a water wheel. Also, there's lots of water underneath and the it's turning with the water. So it might not be a cog because a water wheel wouldn't have a connecting cog at the top. But you're probably right. Yes, but, the, the, but this, this case one is a cog. Does. It definitely does. Yeah. So they leap off it onto a pipe of some description. Yeah. Which breaks. Yeah, pipes up. Now, Orin, before they went, Orin has given them a piece of advice, which is don't fight with each other. (laughs) Frankly, Chris was the one who needed that advice. (laughs) But again, they're arguing. Oh, Chris says you broke it. And it's like, I didn't break it. And then they slide down and he ends up with her feet on her head, his feet on her head. And she's not happy with that. I said, can you swim? Yes. Why? We'll dump into that. We'll jump into that water there. <laughs> and so they leap into a very narrow waterway with lots of obstacles, which is a pretty dangerous thing to do from that mm-hmm. height. Um, yeah. And it turns out that this flows into the castle. <laughs> there also is, well, what is there in the water? It's a giant monster. The princess has quite a variety of giant scary monsters doing her bidding. <laughs> she does. This one's a giant red scary thing, which is scarier than the lizard creatures, I think. Yes. Yeah. So they, they, they escape from this red... How do they escape from the red creature? Oh, Brian uses his prism to not shoot it with fire, not freeze it. Instead, he turns it into a shoal of rainbow flashing fish. Yes, that was it. <laughs> it's a giant colourful fish maker. Odd. <laughs> yeah. So it could have been that they were all fish to begin with, and the princess combined them into a giant monster using her diamond gemstone she's got upstairs, and this actually released them, or whatever. They just turns into fish. Whatever happens, the threat yeah. is neutralized. Yes, it is neutralized, and they continue on the water, which turns out to reveal that it runs into her bath. So this entire castle with the giant cog and all of this with the with the pipes and all of the water going everywhere and all the all this stuff is to actually just fill her bath. Yep. Which is shortly going to be full of colourful fish. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, what a bath that would be. I'd love that. Oh, it's a colourful fish. <laughs> so they're in the castle. Now they've got to get to the princess's throne room. And there's a lovely little touch on the sound effects at this point which i i like which they remember that these guys have just been underwater they've just emerged from a bath so their footprints are splishy sploshy footprint <laughs> footsteps the rather than uh, clunky shoes on hard floor footsteps which is a nice little touch that kind of kind of thing that appeals to me the sound effects are consistently nice in rainbow bright i think we've spoken about it before there are some really great sound effects there are indeed. They're so great that they end up in Transformers repeatedly. <laughs> uh, we did. I think we pointed out specifically that uh, one weapon is the same sound effect that's used for Rainbow Bright's colour belt in a Transformers <laughs> episode. But there we go. So they want to get to the throne room to sort out this magic jewel. On Spectra, Orin and a couple of other um, sprites that weren't hypnotised are cutting up the belt, the net, and mm. trying to... Um, trying to get it off the planet, which yep. is uh, 
getting and one of them doesn't know how two of them are going to save the entire universe. <laughs> but they're trying. But they're trying. They're very, very trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they kind of cut it up and then just chuck the bits in a big hole. Yes. But as long as they cut it so it doesn't work as a net, that should be okay. and doesn't yeah. block the light. Of course, it does still block the light. It's just not a net. It's, uh, it's all very odd. But anyway. But they've got to cut the net and dispose of it quicker than it's being made. Quicker than it's being made and without the glitter bots spotting them and hypnotising them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Challenging. Challenging mm-hmm. indeed. Fortunately, Rainbow and Chris have reached the throne room and they launch an attack on the magic jewel. And the princess tries to use it to zap them. They combine their powers and zap the jewel. But... At last, they're working together. <laughs> but it's not enough. It's not enough. They can't destroy the jewel. The princess's powers are too great for them. But fortunately, at this point, Murky and Lurky and their general ineptitude save the day. I think that this is actually the only point where Murky and Lurky have any influence on the plot at all. Yes. The rest of the movie could have been made without them because they weren't actually doing anything that could drive the plot. It could. But they're needed for this bit. Yeah. I mean, it could, generally speaking, they don't, they, have, they don't do anything that drives the plot except this little bit. But because they're the big bad of the series, they have to be in the movie. They have to but be this in is them. kind of like, but they've introduced the princess as the big bad. This would be as if they made a Transformers movie where Megatron wasn't the main... Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually thinking, so what they do is they've got their spaceship and Spectre is there, uh, the princess is there and she's doing her spells and stuff. And the spaceship comes down behind her and crashes through the side of her fortress. And at this point, I was thinking of Flash Gordon. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. yes. And I thought she was going to get speared by the spaceship. That would have been a bit dark for uh, a yes. kid's cartoon. For a kid's show. Well, apparently Flash Gordon was for kids and it was fine for them. Flash Gordon was not for kids. No. <laughs> Absolutely I not. I watching it as a kid. Yeah, I remember watching it as a kid and then thinking, how the hell did this get this certificate that it's got? I mean, it's all sorts of horrible things that happen <laughs> in that movie. Absolutely terrible. Anyway, we're not talking about Flash Gordon. We're talking about this. They smash the throne. And the princess is very annoyed because nobody touches that throne but me. And while she's distracted, Chris and Rainbow zap the crystal, which falls apart, disintegrates. And then the whole throne room starts to crack and disintegrate. And a big chandelier falls off the ceiling. And it's one of those things where I'm thinking, we've won, but everything's falling apart. And we might be in real trouble here. Yeah, it's like the whole of the fortress is held together by the power of this gemstone and as soon as the gemstone's gone everything turns to stone and starts to crumble so i i like i i would love them to do an origin story for all this because i have no idea how any of this got to where it was very perplexing in some ways it reminds me a little of of lord of the rings because doesn't that happen when the one ring is destroyed Yes. Things start collapsing. The magic of the One Ring actually propped up everything. Yeah. So there is a Lord of the Rings allegory here <laughs> in that the main villain is powerful, but that power gets focused through something else, which is actually supporting just about everything. Yeah. At this point, though, Murky has Rainbow Bright exactly where he wants her and he points his gloom gun at her. <laughs> Keep going with the gloom gun, Murky. <laughs> One day it'll work. One day it'll work. But Starlight has not been idle. (laughs) Starlight was left behind, but at some point went, Why, at a moment like this, is the most magnificent horse in the universe 
standing here doing nothing at all. <laughs> and he jumped up on the big water wheel thing and uh, was most miffed that they don't keep horses in mind when they design fortresses. <laughs> but he manages to leap onto a walkway of some description. And at this precise po point, he makes an entrance to yeah. a great musical fanfare, you know, the heroic entrance, entrance, magnificent yeah. entrance. He jumps in. Murky tries to shoot him with the gloom gun, instead of which Starlight kicks the spacecraft and it rolls slowly off the edge of the uh, throne room and falls into the moat many hundreds of feet below. Murky and Lurky have been vanquished, but who cares? Because yeah. they weren't the big bad here. Yeah. Um, the princess is understandably not happy. <laughs> No, she's still there. She's she's not died because the gemstone's gone. No. But she kind of abandoned it. I mean, she ran away from the destruction of Murky and Lurky's spaceship crashing through the wall and the throne. Didn't reach out and grab the gem or anything. And in some ways, I felt she was quite lucky that the destruction stopped a couple of feet away from the gemstone because she just ran for it. Yeah. Yeah. She she's, could have been in trouble there, couldn't she? But she's managed. She's taken her. She's taken her pet gem with her because we see it on the spaceship later, because that's where she's gone. She's launched her spaceship, with which she intends to drag Spectra to, well, cause general chaos. Well, at this point, she's lost her throne and everything else in the fortress and her she's, mind. It would appear she's not really got much to lose at this yeah. point. I just no. want to make absolutely clear: she has. She had two gems. She had the gemstone with the power, and she got her pet gem. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It, it, yeah. The gemstone with the power was the one that ended up turning to dust and being destroyed, but she still got the green pet yep. gem with her. Yes. Which has no powers, but she just likes it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the power of the gemstone that has been destroyed also stopped all the glitter bots from working on Spectra, and all the sprites are now unhypnotized, and they're smashing the glitter bots to pieces and cutting the net up. But the spaceship is coming. Yeah. Can I just. The image of those sprites hacking away at these broken robots was actually somewhat disturbing. It <laughs> was. They were an inordinate amount of glee Gleefully taken in smashing these things up. Pulling these robots to pieces. <laughs> yes. But the princess is coming on her spaceship, but the spaceship is running out of fuel because the engines stutter and stop. And because this is a cartoon series, uh, a spaceship that stutters and stops in space stops. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. It's like a steam train. Or Star Trek V. <laughs> yes, or three or four, for that matter. <laughs> Lots yeah. of examples of spaceships stopping in space. No! Anyway, moving on. She needs more fuel. What yeah. has she got left for fuel? It's only one thing. That's awful. It's horrendous, but it does go to show the level to which she has now sunk and lost her faculties. She knobs the pet gem into the fuel tank where it explodes and becomes fuel. It's just, it's, it's just, I, sorry, I've lost the ability to speak. It is, it is terrible. It's um, dark. So sad. But she can't grab the planet now, the net's been broken. But again, as with most bad guys and bratty children, if she can't have it, Nobody can. Mm -hmm. She's going to crash her spaceship into Spectra, in which case the planet will shatter into a billion tiny pieces. Yeah. But at the last second, a rainbow appears and flings the spaceship further away, at which point it explodes. Yeah, into a thousand glittering pieces. <laughs> yeah. And to my mind, what appears to have happened is that Rainbow Bright, our heroine, has blown up the bad guy. Yeah. And killed the princess. But... 
given that we were all raised on cartoons where coyotes can have anvils dropped on them and fall off cliffs and all kinds of things, she's going to be okay, right? She's going to be okay, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can survive being blown up. Why not? Thank you. Yes. We will see if the princess survives this and ever turns up to menace Rainbow Bright again and claim her revenge in the distant future. Gosh, do you really think that might happen? No, she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely dead. We will see. Yeah. Spectra once again shines with all the light of the universe. The snow on Earth melts and spring appears. Birds start singing. Birds sing. People go outside because suddenly the temperature has shot up enormously, which would be disastrous. Everyone's happy. No one's worried. All that meltwater. Instantly, you don't see the flooding. <laughs> the yeah. flooding in different places in the in the in the but world. Kids are playing ball games in the street. Uh, yeah, Brian immediately this, gets his baseball mitten ball out and goes out to play. This really bugged me that they were playing in a street that was busy enough to have a stop signal for traffic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet they were all just standing in the street playing ball. Well, maybe it's spring. Yeah. Maybe that was nineteen eighties America, though. Yeah. Maybe, but Brian, who incidentally is wearing exactly the same clothes as the last two times we saw him. Well, he was so, and like everybody was, I think everyone just sat about, really. Yeah, in their number 11 top, getting smellier and smellier. (laughs) Smelly Brian. Maybe he has like eight of the same top. Possibly he does. We've seen in his wardrobe, they were all completely different. There were suits in his wardrobe, weren't there? But but yeah, but he, of course, shouts a thank you to Rainbow because he alone knows what happened. He knows that Rainbow is the one who who (laughs) saved them all. Stands there delusionally saying, Rainbow, standing in the middle, standing in the middle of the street going, thank you, Rainbow. And all the other kids go, what? A bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. And his parents go like, well, you know, let's talk to you about Brian. (laughs) Do you think this might be like a return to Oz situation? Oh, oh, don't go there. (laughs) Don't go there. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Why am I apologising? I'm not sorry. Because you've just put the image of Brian electroshock therapy in (laughs) to to cure his hallucinations. That's what you you have to be sorry about. (laughs) I'm not. But back in Rainbow Land, Chris is introduced to the colour kids and takes his helmet off and looks almost exactly the same as Red Butler. I think they're long lost brothers. I think I they must this. be long lost brothers. Um, I, I'll tell you what is uh, interesting, or what I found entertaining, was the voice actor for Chris sounded familiar, and that's because he was Daniel in the Transformers movie, and uh, you can hear it certainly when he shouts a couple of times. You recognise that, <laughs> yeah, that in... squeaky voice, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, the colour kids are all happy to see Chris. Uh, Stormy comes in with Skydancer, welcomes Rainbow home and says, yeah, I need a vacation. And it's basically, I've been doing your job for three days and screw it, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Um, So Stormy was doing something all this time because she's there at the start and she's like, oh, wow, it's going to be great to have Stormy involved in this. And then she doesn't do anything for the whole film. Then she comes back at the end. Yeah, the only thing we see her doing is using Skydancer to haul trucks up and down the track from the colour mine, um, from the colour caves. To be honest, we don't really see the colour kids doing much in terms of their screen time in this movie. To be honest, the colour kids in some ways may as well not be there. They They press a lot of buttons in that wonderful way that Rainbow Land is a mix of old and low-tech and magic and high-tech. It's weird. It it is a weird mashup, but I kind of get the feeling the colour kids were there because they had to be because they were part of the series. Mm. 
I think they could have been used a bit better. It was lovely to see them all, yeah. but I think they could have been used a bit better. They could have done yeah. something. It would have been great if the song at the start had gone, everybody's got a part to play, apart from you, the colour kids, you're not going to do anything. You're useless. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Brian, you're not going to get involved either, particularly very much. Yeah. <laughs> Orin arrives with Onyx and bequeaths Onyx to Chris. Because Chris is now the warrior that he was always supposed to be and he can have a robot horse because you can't be a warrior without a robot horse, apparently. Do you think he could have bequeathed him a better name? Because, like, we've got so many people with great names. Rainbow Bright, Red Butler, Violet, Shy Violet and all that. And he's just Chris. Oh, yeah, but it is spelled K-R-Y-S. So it's Chris (laughs) with a weird spelling. Yeah. I dub thee Chris with a K. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a very 80s thing as well yeah yeah it is actually yeah crisscross they'll make you jump jump oh wow <laughs> oh, good oh great. that's a blast from the past isn't it isn't it just but together they all promise that we will make the world bright and beautiful forever <laughs> no one will escape <laughs> no one will escape the colours and the beautifulness and everything we what will be bright dictatorship <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow Bright will bring colour and light to the world and woe betide anyone who stands in her way. You see that princess? She is dead. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, the colours are lovely. Yes. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, We even appear to have temporarily got rid of Murphy and Lurky, who are just lost in space. Yeah. Yes, they are indeed lost in space. So that's it then. There is nobody to stand in the way of Rainbow Bright and her army of colour kids. (laughs) And their robot horse. (laughs) To be fair, we've had worse fascist dictators. So that's a rather darker ending than we had. (laughs) Sorry, that's all. No, it's a happy ending. And we get the song. We get the Rainbow Bright song. We get the Rainbow Bright song over the credits. We do with Rainbow Credits. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely, we do. But that is the end of Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that fun? It was, actually. It, you know, as I said at the beginning, this didn't... In a lot of cartoons, when you get the movie, it feels just like a just padded-out episode. This did feel like it was a big feature film. I'm disappointed that no one liked it at the time. I was a bit surprised at that. I hadn't actually looked that up before. But... It's in keeping, it's very recognisable in terms of characters and storytelling and themes as Rainbow Bright, but it's definitely a feature. Yeah, the stakes are higher, it's the universe in danger, it's the whole of Earth might die, Uh, it's not just murky trying to make everything a bit miserable, it's actually everything will end if we don't solve this problem. The villain is quite believable. Yeah, she's a spoiled brat. She, She is believable as a credible threat. Yes, she's a spoiled brat with a magical power that makes her really quite dangerous. Backed up by various horrible creatures, servants, robots. She's actually got quite the army. Yeah, she has. And that seems to be all that lives in that giant fortress. We don't see any sign of anybody else there at all. Um, And she can banish people to a prison planet on a whim. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely a credible threat. Much more so than Murky and Lurky, who are there. I'm pretty sure are there just because... They have to be because they are the supposed villains of Rainbow Bright. So we can't just ignore them for 90 minutes of screen time. We have to put them in somewhere. But they're essentially there for comic relief. They don't actually contribute to the plot except for that last bit at the end where they provide the distraction. 
Which was entirely accidental. On their which side. was accidental. It wasn't even anything they were trying to do. That's very murky and lurky, though, isn't it? Very <laughs> on brand. Very on brand. For murky and lurky. Yes. Accidentally affected the plot. Well, we were trying to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to do something else, but we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's. I don't know. I. I. It did start off like a standard episode of Rainbow Bright for them to them getting the gloom gun, and then twenty one minutes things are still going on, and you think, well, actually, what's happening here? Yeah, we've got mm. the Terminator horse and the yeah. Diamond Planet and giant robots. And there's no end of inventiveness, which is kind of great, but at the same time, it does feel like a bit of an onslaught where you never know what's going to creep out of a wall next to when there's going to be a lizard man or those two poor mm. people on the planet who are still there <laughs> at the end. Yeah. It, it's, it's very, it's very stuffed full adventure. It is. And yeah, I mean, it, it fills out its running time mm. <clears throat> um, because it's a movie um it's got a bit more uh, budget thrown on the animation so the animation is a step up from the television show it's not you know alongside the great disney classics and things like that in terms of the animation quality but it is a step up apart from that one moment that we discussed <laughs> yeah. where the creatures all fall through the rocks i'd say yeah a step is right not a big leap just a step up yeah just a little bit. i mean starlight's the, the... got a few more lines on him Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rainbow Bright's got a bit more of a, but not not hugely yeah. from the TV show. No, I mean the animation on the TV show is pretty good generally, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the character models are not changed for the movie at all. They don't get an upgrade or anything like that. They're basically essential. They're same as they are on the on the TV show. Um, Murky and Lurky are just as cartoonish as ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, but generally speaking, yeah, this that, that was quite actually quite fun. And as I say I don't. I remember watching Rainbow Bright when I was a kid and enjoying it far more than I could ever really let on because it wasn't a cartoon for boys. And at that age in school, you know, you didn't like dirty things. Such a shame. It is a great shame. Uh, looking back on it, there are a lot of things, a lot of things my sister had and enjoyed that I really liked, but mm. they weren't for me, mm. uh, which but- caused the great. I mean, the great dis- divide there was the He-Man and She-Ra toys. Mm. Because the She-Ra toys, all the bad guys were monsters from the Masters of the Universe line that I had. And all the good guys were fashion dolls that my sister had. Because I didn't have She-Ra and Glimmer and all that and brush their hair and, and make the horse look nice and everything. That was that was the girl's job. And I had the vicious monsters. Which is- meant that we never actually got to play She-Ra because we didn't we didn't share our toys that much. <laughs> well there's a lesson there, isn't there, that maybe you should have done. Yeah. I want I know I want a He-Man with brushable hair. He's <laughs> <laughs> always had plastic. I just want one we can just comb oh. it. They used to have a squishy head, didn't they? Yeah. They used to have yeah, big plastic, head. hard plastic bodies oh, and squishy heads. Rainbow bright. Yeah. But from, but from this show, the character I'd most want a plushie of is Stormy and and uh, what's the horse Sky called? Dancer. Sky Dancer. She was fantastic. Really I liked her. I had a plushie Starlight. Yeah, yeah. My sister had a Rainbow Bright and uh, and Twink. Yeah. And as I said before, the thing I remember most about them was they had Velcro on their hands so that they could hold hands. <laughs> so so yeah. did the plushie Starlight have? Did that have long hair or was it? It had. I think actually thinking about it, it may have been made for me because I had a relative who was very good at sewing, sewed a lot of clothes and toys. In fact, my favourite doll was a patchwork doll that she made for me. 
which I've literally forgotten until this moment. <laughs> I think that Starlight actually had uh, pieces of like acrylic yarn yeah. in rainbow colours for his mane and tail. But his body was kind of furry and I have a memory that the star on his forehead was kind of a foily, plasticky kind of fabric. Mm. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That's prob possibly Maybe it was, it was a bulk toy. Probably, I, I possibly it was. Because I remember the rainbow, the rainbow Bright doll had acrylic yarn hair. Um, quite, I mean, quite distinctive. I remember that. I don't um, really recall the details. Of and it her dress was quite thing. that kind of iridescent, foily material. Yeah, I remember yes, that. I do remember that toy. That was in our house yeah. somewhere. Oh, there we go. I can actually get one on eBay. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Look at that. See that? Oh my! Oh my! Oh, hang on. Now oh. somebody's falling down a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but now I'm a grown up and I have money. Yeah. So I, <laughs> if I want. The vintage Rainbow Bright Starlight plush toy. Uh, it's fine. I've got five crates of Transformers. It's fine. <laughs> oh. And I'm oh. not even serious about collecting. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, hey, look at that. You can, you can look. You can get the, you can get a you purple get a one. A purple one. So, yeah, excellent. Um, Marvellous. Yeah. Shall, shall we go shopping later? <laughs> Let's do that. Excellent. So okay, I, I, so it was a. It was not something that was made for me. It was actually a purchase toy. I don't remember so well. Very briefly, are we doing man of the match for this? Well, we haven't on previous rainbow uh, rights, but why not? Yes. Well, do you, have you got a, a man or girl or horse of the match? Well, I don't know why I didn't keep my mouth shut because I haven't. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> um, so yes, I think that the person who came off best in this is probably Onyx. Was very cool. Although not that great because I, the attempt to bust them out of prison was just basically him banging his head against the wall um, repeatedly, which I thought was a bit pathetic. Um, I, I, the princess was kind of great, but at the same time, she, I, I'd have loved to have more scenes with the princess and Rainbow Bright because she's got such an interesting, bossy, horrible character. And it'd be great to see her with the princess. <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow uh, yeah. Bright does not yeah. take anyone's nonsense. No, she really doesn't. No, you do not want to mess with Rainbow Bright because she will mess you up something serious. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, Onyx was the cool new addition for this one. That was that was very good, and he did quite a lot in the story. So yeah, yeah. Uh, any other suggestions? <laughs> no, I, I, I was quite taken with Onyx actually. Um, I thought it was an interesting diversion almost from the way the series had been going up to that point in that we had sprites and we had colour kids and we had the cartoonish murky and lurky. And then we had a really funky, cool <laughs> robot horse with rockets in its feet and bright red eyes. And I thought, that's fantastic. It's not the sort of thing, if you look at Rainbow Bright as a franchise, as a cartoon series, it's not the sort of thing that you would expect to be part of that universe. A yeah. robot horse at all. I think it's the only time we so. see a robot in this that's a, a good guy. Yeah. There are enemy robots, quite a few of them, but mm. so so yeah, so I, I, I thought Onyx was uh, yeah. was good. Although actually we are going to have to go and hide in shelter now because the most magnificent horse in the universe will be after us for making that choice. Oh I was gonna choose the most magnificent horse in well, the Well you're safe. Uh, yeah, I know which side my bread's butter. <laughs> Yeah, of course it's Starlight. I know Starlight, Starlight. You said Starlight? Uh, yeah, I definitely, I said I Starlight. Starlight. Good. Uh, Starlight was a close second for me because, of course, he, on his own merits, he got into the fortress at just the right time to kick Murky and Lurky's spacecraft off the side and, and save Rainbow from the gloom gun. 
Yeah, as usual, Starlight does things that no horse should have to do, like jumping onto a wet cog or <laughs> running over a diamond surface. Well, that's why he's the most magnificent horse in the universe. Yes, and we cannot deny. <laughs> We'd not yeah. want to he, deny. He has good reason to think well of himself. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I think at that point, all that remains is to say thank you for listening to Robots in Your Eyes. I've been Jason Thompson, co-hosting with Stephen Alexander and the wonderful Zoe Baker. We'll be back next week for some more awesome animated adventuring. But until then, remember, boys and girls, you need to work together. When you meet a brand new friend, it opens up a world. A world whose brightness never ends, it opens up a world. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at Robots in Eyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice. <laughs>